0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American Patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Serafin.
1: Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Kyle Serafin Show. It is Wednesday, July the 5th, the day after the 4th of July. So happy birthday, America. In fact, last night, my kids got to stay up uh, late. I'll put that in air quotes. It was about 9 o'clock, and the lights went down. We had a fireworks display here in Liberty Hill. I think it was going from one of the towns up north, so that's two nights in a row we had some fireworks, and my kids were dancing around screaming, I love America. Happy birthday, America. That's a four- and a six-year-old little girl for you. That's the kind of people that we're trying to raise in this country. So happy birthday, America. We've got an interesting show lined up for you today, a pattern that I'm seeing, and hopefully it doesn't repeat because it's definitely awful, but uh, we will talk about that. We're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, the, the Coke and Hose party that happened at the White House, whether or not the... The first family was invited is up to debate. We'll find out that soon enough and uh, the investigation continues. But uh, also I want to talk about this disturbing trend of shootings that happen on 4th of July during crowded events. So we'll dig there pretty deeply and uh, we're going to start off first with our first sponsor, which is Patriot Coolers. Let's talk about Patriot Coolers real quick. So Patriot Coolers, you all remember them. They are our first sponsor. They joined us and got on board. They gave us a promo code. It's Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Gets you 10% off. It'll get you uh, free shipping after 50 bucks. And uh, if you're seeing their website right there, they have all kinds of things from from stainless steel drinkware, from hard and soft-sided coolers. Some of them are great for floating the river this summer, so this is the time. If you want a durable outdoor product, a roto-molded cooler that will keep things cold, ice for days. If you're going to go camping or if you're going to be doing a kayaking trip or something like that, or if you're doing RVing, fantastic choice. PatriotCoolers.com. Check them out and use promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E. I'm also going to bring up here our second sponsor, which is Catholic Vote. And uh, once again, I'm going to encourage you to sign up for The Loop. Go to CatholicVote.org. The main splash page there is going to show you that they are America's top advocacy group for Catholics. They are into faith, family, and freedom—things that are big on the Kyle Sarafin show. And uh, what a what a great organization that has a significant significant value i would say in your email box every morning they've got a piece on there today about uh, what's been going on in the white house they've got another thing about how the democrats are trying to stack the court the supreme court they have a piece about the missouri versus biden update so you can go in there and get kind of a quick little update for days that we're not on the air and if you want to have something that's grab and go a couple of articles some of them come from their own news service some of them come simply from uh from places out there like Breitbart or Fox News or New York Post and so on, and they will loop you in. So once again, get in the loop with catholicvote.org and sign up for the loop, putting in your email, and we're very appreciative, catholicvote.org. Okay, Mr. Ryan, Producer Ryan, are we ready to rock and roll? What do you think? Hey, yeah, we
2: ready, buddy. Let's, okay. let's do it, man. Let's have a good time.
1: So article number one, we're going to be talking about, this is from the New York Times. Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Times, the paper of record... Tells us the Secret Service examined how suspected cocaine ended up in the White House. None of us know. Now, the initial instinct that everybody had, I think probably everybody in the chat will agree, the initial instinct was that we were dealing with a Hunter Biden um, coke and hose mixer at the White House. But there's some indications that may not be the case. I talked to Miranda Devine this morning. Uh, she texted me back. She thought that my Coke and hose party was funny, but probably not accurate. So I'm going to just read a little bit about what the initial reporting is, and then we'll talk about it in just a second here. we got a, an audio call from the HAZMAT team inside the White House as they were addressing this, which we'll play in a sec. But let's just run through this. It says a uh, This is Katie Rogers reporting from Washington. A small amount of white powdery substance was found in the White House on Sunday evening. According to persons familiar with the episode, the initial test by the emergency response workers determined it was cocaine. Uh, There's all this sort of back and forth, people talking about, oh, you know, how do they know what it is and, you know, what was it dangerous? There's a search kit. Uh, Hazmat crews have them just like a lot of police officers do for field tests of drugs. And in this case, it gave them a yellow bar saying that it was cocaine hydrochloride, which is some version of cocaine. I see in the chat people are saying that he actually prefers Parmesan cheese mixed in there. Uh, I don't think there's a hazmat test for Parmesan cheese. But... This cocaine uh, was was identified in a in a baggie that was apparently in some part of the uh, shutdown area. Um, you know the, the concern is always that it's going to be some sort of anthrax or some other kind of chemical weapons attack, and not some kind of bag of party favors. <laughs> Whoever lost it, I'm sure was very upset. And uh, the uh, the D.C. Fire Department Hazmat team were the ones that actually responded. A White House spokesperson said that it was found in a work area of the West Wing. And another dispatch said that the substance was found in a White House library. That was incorrect. That was the initial statement. Let's listen, uh, Ryan, if you pull up video number one, let's listen to that hazmat call and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to analyze it.
0: For Pete, I didn't copy results on the Gemini. Gemini's results are name match found
2: with a red bar, name match found in the library. We'll go ahead, and, back and Come on up.
0: Question record has that we have a resolve on the demo. We have a yellow bar stating cocaine, hydrochloride, path number five three, two one, four. All
1: right. So when we when we look at that oh, there we go. I'm back. Sorry, thanks, Catholic vote. <laughs> So when when apparently there's a, a, a little system as they run this test and it has a library worth of possible results and it gives you this info. That, that was what uh, Miranda Devine was telling me. She looked up the actual physical device that they were using for this test and what's most common in D.C. And so that was her her take that, in fact, library was referring to the, the possible information going on there. If we can go to article number two, this didn't stop. Uh, this didn't stop people on the left. From making their speculations, many of you guys think that it may have been a Hunter Biden type thing, and we don't know. Um, it sounds like the work area was not a place where Hunter Biden would have had access to, and yet it didn't have to be that. Let's talk about left-wing Twitter, which is always good for a hot take, as you well know. Donald Trump left the White House in January of 2021. Now, coming up on two and change years ago. But obviously, it was Donald Trump Jr. who actually left it there. So a number of people on the left believe that Donald Trump Jr. has a Coke problem. I don't see any evidence of that. I've seen a couple pictures of him where he was drinking, which I think I've seen uh, pictures of just about everybody drinking at this point. That's the way that social media works. And uh, now you've got people on the left saying that this is, in fact, a DJT Jr. drop. He somehow left it and that it was just hanging out in the White House. For years. If that is the case, which I don't think is even close to likely, you're talking about uh, probably the worst security sweeps in the world. And I don't think the Secret Service is like that. They go looking around. I'm sure this thing was left within a couple of days. So was it a visitor? We don't know. We'll keep watching the story. It's uh, it's only semi interesting, but uh, mostly what it shows is this massive divide that's going on in the country. And uh, speaking of divides, we had our divider in chief give a fantastic and uh, rousing speech full of slurred words and barely articulated points. That happened <laughs> on uh, on uh, yesterday as uh, the 4th of July speech in front of a bunch of people. They introduced, uh, by the way, I, I watched this whole thing. It's like a 20-minute video. It's actually really hard to watch, so I won't put you guys through that. But what we did see was the uh, the White House staff introducing Dr. Jill Biden as one of the speakers, and she is absolutely uninspiring, as is the president right now. Ryan, if you want to queue up that clip from the video, we'll do a little bit of take on that, and then we're going to get into today's sort of most substantive talk of gun violence, or more likely, people who are shooting people, which is using a gun. If you want to pull that clip up, we start at 840.
2: Give me one second, Kyle, working on it right now.
1: Oh, okay, fair enough. So um, the, the there he is.
0: Today, we celebrate our independence, celebrate our liberty and our freedom. And Jill and I are honored to spend the day with so many military families. You represent a link in a chain of honor that stretches back to our founding days. You are the sinew, the backbone, the reality of why we're who we are. Unbreaking, unbending throughout our history, Remind us that democracy is never, never, never guaranteed. Every generation must fight to maintain it. We must always cherish it, defend it, and strengthen it. You know, as we remember the extraordinary country this is, I hope we all rededicate ourselves to the essential work of our democracy, which is to unify, to unify, unify this nation to see each other not as adversaries, but as fellow Americans. Let us remember that. While the other nations were formed based on things like geography, ethnicity, religion, America is the only nation in history founded on an idea, an idea, and that is that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal, all people endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. <laughs> Among them, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We haven't always lived up to those words, but we've never walked away from them. And today, and all days, we have to say clearly, we never...
1: <laughs> you notice that he sounds kind of like a record that uh, that's skipping. Do you ever worry that he's going to just stay on that track? He's like... A-zada, azada. Uh, there's at least three slurs in there. That was only two minutes of the speech. He only talked for about eight minutes because I think his um his baggy ran out as well. The man just like he just he doesn't have it. Ryan, you're muted right now. <laughs> I like that Ryan came on just to laugh silently with me. But he does. He's he's like a, a record player that I just worry. I'm like, oh no, what happens? If, like they're gonna come tap him and skip him forward. What do you think, Ryan? Is that possible that they just uh, that at some point he just ends up on one of those loops where he just doesn't come back?
2: <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> <Unrecoverable>. <laughs> he's had a couple good. St- yeah, he had a couple good stretches where he went on for like twenty or thirty seconds. We still never got a word out of him. He,
1: he did, yeah. None of that stuff makes any sense. So he's out there talking about the same sort of things. We're fighting for the soul of this nation, as many of us remember. He was talking about. Uh, Do we actually get a video of him talking about decency and coming back with decency? Because
2: no, I couldn't find one. Sorry, buddy. So I mean, I got some. I got some sound bites. You know, I
0: got hairy legs
2: that turn. <laughs>
1: It's so bad. How did they get this guy and put him into the White House? He's up there confused. He slurs over words. I like when he goes, this country is... And you go like, oh. I listened to that six times last night to try to figure out what he was saying. I think what he was saying is that we were actually founded. We're the only nation that was founded based on principles and not based on ethnicity and geography. That's what he was trying to say. And he didn't get through it. And so those of you who just heard that for the first time... It doesn't make sense. You'll know that he runs out of it like you know when you're working on a computer and it'll it'll uh, give you like the blue wheel of death or it used to be they would give you the, uh, the little timer that would flip over. Biden has that and he just repeats. He just kind of like he's like a like an autistic person that just like starts going like he rocks back and forth and just repeats that line until he buffers enough to say whatever's next. And, uh, and I'm sure it's not written that way. And he's also waiting for like applause breaks, but he doesn't actually know what the crowd is going to do anymore. He doesn't know how to read them. So they intermittently throw him off by cheering about stuff that he doesn't understand. And then intermittently, he'll repeat something that he thinks is going to be really poignant. And it doesn't work either. Um, anyway, it's just really sad to watch And uh, and that's the state of affairs on July 4th in the United States in 2023. Pretty bizarre. Let's talk about something that we are now seeing small pattern. Um, I always say two points makes a line. Three points kind of generates a pattern. So let's talk about um, hopefully a disturbing line that ends this year. We're going to get into this article. What is that? Article number three, article number Three. three from the New York Post, if you don't mind. Um, so those of you who are watching our Rumble channel are going to be seeing this. This is the headline. It just says, Gunman arrested for Philadelphia mass shooting, which left five dead. He's a BLM activist who wore women's clothing, according to sources. This is written by Emily Crane and Andy Tillett. Um, and so the story goes like this. There's a white, a rifle-wielding subject. He's. I hate it when they say this. They always say bulletproof vest. But, um, but you know, it's a Kevlar vest. It's not bulletproof. In fact, if anybody came after him with a rifle, you could shred the guy. And so those of you who think that you can buy something that is a bulletproof vest, you can't. You can buy uh, plate carriers. That's kind of a thing. Uh, so anyway, so this guy goes down in, in, uh, in Philadelphia, ends up shooting five people and killing them, and shoots two children and wounds them. Pretty awful. Uh, and the guy's name, I'm going to try to get it right here, is Kim Brady, which is an interesting first name. Kim Brady Carricker, 40 years old. Was nabbed afterwards, uh, arrested without incident appears, and uh, the cops didn't publicly disclose it initially. And then we got some information from Facebook. So here's the here's the reason why this art this uh, this podcast today is titled as it is. And I had to go look into the the Aerosmith song about dude looks like a lady and what that's about. So I'll tell you that in a second. But if you'll go to the next article uh, article number four, what we have is the New York Post is giving us one really good and clean version. Of what the story is which is to say that this guy kim brady was dressed like a woman and that uh in his facebook pages he's wearing a bra he's got this like nude colored shirt which is kind of bizarre and uh clearly looks like a person that has some issues again a blm supporter which is you know I, it's neither here nor there if your ideology that you've, you've aligned with is one thing. It's it's quite another to be dressing as a man in women's clothing. That's always been sort of outside the norm in this country. And yet, if you look what this this article is, this is ABC number, uh, ABC 6, 6, which is a TV channel. And they're talking about action news, learn the name of the subject. They talk about how he shows up with an assault rifle. Okay. So now we're going to use that charged language of the left. Those of you who know what an assault rifle is, that's going to be a select fire weapon. This is not what this guy had. He had just a, a garden variety semi-automatic. And there's no mention in this story that uh, that he dressed up like a woman or that he's a BLM supporter. So, again, this polarized nation, you've got this really strange moment where— half of the country is looking at the information showing this bizarre picture that you see next to me a man dressed up in women's clothing who supports you know black lives matter which definitely had some violence associated with it in 2020 and 2021 and then you see the local news covering it and they're just talking about how they're going to charge the guy with multiple counts of murder and what the da says and some other things i want you to pay attention to the da that is there in philadelphia the guy's name is Larry Krasner. Now, some of you be aware that this is a uh, like a Soros-funded campaign. The guy ran on basically a prosecutorial, a prosecution reimagining. He wanted to cut down on the number of violent crimes that they're going to go after. They wanted to basically uh, cut the city some slack, which has caused, as you can imagine, a huge jump in crime. And and yet, this guy is going to is gonna show you something a little bit later on in one of the articles we address that uh, he does have a lot more discretion than we're even seeing in somewhere like New York with Alvin Bragg, who obviously went after both President Trump and a guy named Daniel Penny. You remember Penny was the guy that was choking out the dude on the subway station. So we're going to kind of just kind of play these out. But the charge language that goes left and right, I want to also bring up the next article, which is what uh, the NPR number five. and And they have the same sort of story. So on the NPR article, we're talking about, once again, I'm just going to read you the text of it. This is written by NPR staff. So whoever the heck that is, they have no picture of the subject up front. They actually have just a generic picture, a stock photo of uh, the police, you know, sitting out there with their lights on and some people in the darkness. And it just says five people were killed, two others injured on Monday when a gunman wearing a bulletproof vest opened fire in a Philadelphia neighborhood. The things that they're keying in on, the fact that he had a rifle, the fact that he had on this vest, which apparently they think is a really dangerous thing. Just be aware of it. If the left-wing media is talking about one thing, body armor, you can imagine that that's going to be next up on their list too. And they probably can't ban guns, but they might be able to ban body armor. They may be able to get people to do that. So, we're talking about assault rifles and this one here, it's an AR-styled rifle. A guy had a police scanner, so we should ban that as well, I'm sure. Multiple magazines, so, you know, these are always the problem. You you're you're, you're seeing what they're they're villainizing. And we know what those things are but the the addition of adding this bulletproof vest thing which they love to say i don't know why the press can't get after it after 20 years of being in afghanistan and you know 15 years in iraq and talking about body armor there's there's literally millions of people in this country that know things about body armor they know that a kevlar vest is not bulletproof uh, it just bothers me when they use words like that. And same thing with the assault rifle thing. They don't mean, they, they mean something to the people on the left. It sounds like a real scary idea. It sounds like you have this invincible mech warrior walking through the streets. And that's not the case. Um, those of you who own rifles know a high velocity rifle round is going to penetrate and go right through Kevlar vests unless you are wearing hard plates. And even those can only carry so much. You can't wear plates covering your whole body. Um, of course, NPR is quick to point out that this is mass shooting number 339 in the United States. I want you to just reflect on that for a second. 339 mass shootings that have happened in the United States. This reminds me a lot of FBI crime statistics. It reminds me kind of of the way that we talk about, um, it reminds us like that they, (laughs) that they're going to tell you a number that is so insane, that's so high There's no way that a reasonable person can believe it. And and I'm reflecting back on the FBI projecting that they were going to see 600 disruptions of terrorist organizations in 2022. 600. And they only came up with 397. This is a number that Garrett O'Boyle and I have quoted a number of times. 397 terrorist disruptions last year alone. Again, I like to say this because it's easy to remember. That means the FBI disrupted a terrorist organization every single day of the year and two times on every Sunday in order to get to that number. Right now, you have to believe that there are mass shootings taking place 339 times. We're only six months into the year. You know, we've just completed the sixth month of June. So these things are happening at like two or three a day. Where's the news coverage of it? where is the news coverage of it. So let's talk about some news coverage. Let's talk about something that is out there in the in the the story the story of history and we're going to pull up this Wikipedia article for you. I'd like to dig back a little ways. Uh Ryan, you're right on things right now. This was a shooting that happened on July 4th in 2022. So exactly 1 year to the day on July 5th, we were hearing about this story and the in, the investigation into it. This is known as the Highland Park Parade Shooting. You can find a Wikipedia page on it. It occurred at 10.15 a.m. in Highland Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. And the authorities appreh- apprehended a 21-year-old, a guy named Bobby Eugene Cremo, Robert Eugene Cremo III, uh, eight hours after after the shooting happened. And there's something really interesting that parallels what we just saw in Philadelphia. If you want to punch over to the next article there, Ryan... It shows us who is this guy. He apparently had a YouTube channel where he went by a thing called Awake the Rapper. And you'll see that as the headline here. This is a story by Tyler O'Neill, who's now with Daily Signal, uh, someone that I've talked to quite a bit. So we're talking about this, and here's the real key. In the second paragraph of this story, we learn during the attack... Cremo was dressed in women's clothing in order to, quote unquote, conceal his facial tattoos and his identity, according to Christopher Covelli, who was a spokesperson for the Great Lakes. I'm sorry, for the Lakes County Major Crime Task Force. So during that briefing, we found out this is another you know situation where a whole bunch of people were shot. It was without warning. Um, it was just a, an everyday Fourth of July parade. And it was interrupted by this kid who climbed up a ladder, sat on a rooftop and started taking taking shots at innocent people, including children. They said that there's no warning signs about this guy, that there was no way to know. He was just a real quiet kid and there was nothing wrong. Um, let's go ahead and pull up the FBI wanted poster, if you would. That's the next article. And if you guys take a look at this, those of you who were on the Rumble channel will see it. We have right here a kid who weighs 120 pounds. He's 5'11". I just want you to do the math of that when I was in high school, I was 5'7 and 125 and I was very, very skinny. This kid is a beanpole. He looks like every leftist lunatic protester that we saw in Portland. Never lifted weights in his life. He's got tattoos on his face. You can't even see it, but over his left eye, he's got script tattoos. You can sort of see a tiny bit if you're looking on the rumble screen. Certainly not if you're if you're hanging out on our um, on looking on your phone. But he goes by Bobby. He was born in 2000. 21-year-old kid with tattoos all up and down his neck and his arms, full color. That costs money. I always look at that as a bad investment. But <laughs> you've got this guy who's got tattoos all the way up. So there's no warning signs, even though he's got hash marks underneath his right eye on his cheek. Totally bizarre. And then if you will uh, pull up the 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 next article here, we'll talk about what the, this is again, Emily Crane, same person that we just quoted a moment ago, reporting on this guy. So we're, we're looking at the coverage that is all coming from the right side, and they're happy to talk about the facts that he's dressed as a woman. I think that's really, really important. It tells us something about the kind of person it is. Look, I have uh, all kinds of interest in using firearms. I would never go and ambush a parade, but I can imagine this. If I was trying to go out there and slipped undetected, not ever would I consider dressing up like a woman in order to get away with it. That's just a bizarre Take that. The mind has to go to a specific place. So this one, they say he was dressed in a long sleeve shirt, black gloves, and the neck scarf. Ryan, do you actually have the photo that I sent from the surveillance picture that we can pull up? I think I sent that over to you as well. <coughs> there's a, there's a picture of him walking on surveillance footage folks I can, uh, we'll put the, uh, the link in there if necessary. Now it's, it's a different one. He's wearing an American flag bandana, just totally bizarre. This long sleeve, like ugly women's blouse and like a dress. Uh, and a backpack, which he carried up, and then he climbed up the stairs, and then he walked away from that. Uh, there's some other pictures of here. You can see the kid. He's sitting. He does not look well. He's sitting in a blank room where he looks like he's gotten scratches into the wall, right? And if you remember, this story kind of went away right away. They immediately said that he had this uh, this like pro-Trump leaning. They immediately pivoted and said, oh, he's a right winger. He's got to be a right winger uh, because he's standing, and he looks kind of like he's hammered by himself in this really kind of crappy kitchen, and he has a Trump flag around his neck. And that, because he owns the Trump flag, which looks very ironic in my case. Uh, you look at it and you go, that's a total uh, weirdo, as Eric Jason just said in the chat. Total weirdo, he's carrying this this Trump flag and he looks weird, he's hunched over and he's climbing up on like a kitchen chair. Um, this does not look like a healthy, well person. I just want you to think of all the right wing people you've ever been to a barbecue with, anytime you've ever been to a Trump rally, tell me how many times you've seen this kid Hanging out there and being embraced. Not that he wouldn't be, I'm sure they would say hi to him, but you've got blue hair, you've got face tattoos, you have a sick and unhealthy amount of weight, and the dude decided to go shoot up an American tradition, which is to say a Fourth of July parade. Just the most un-American thing you can imagine. And the most unright-wing thing, I would say. There's the picture. Ryan found it. Good man. So we've got this picture. This is a, actually a still from the surveillance footage. And if you can see on the channel right now, he's wearing this women's blouse. He's got this, like I said, American flag bandana. He's wearing his iPhone. He's got gloves on in the middle of July, even up in Chicago. It's way too hot for that. Just weirdo on every level. And uh, and I'm, like I said, I'm seeing a pattern here, or I'm seeing at least a trend. I hope it does not become a pattern. But there, this is not the first sort of transy, confused, gender, weirded out person so we've got to ask questions about one, are they on SSRIs? Are they involved in some sort of mood modulation hormones? And are they also taking cross gender hormones or something to that effect? Because these things, you know, we we're playing with a machine that we don't necessarily understand. I think that the fact that they're throwing these hormones down on people and saying, "Yeah, it's going to be fine." Like the world is the experiment. Much the way I think sort of the uh, the sort of COVID uh the COVID virus was sort of a uh, an experiment that we got to play out here. So all of this stuff is crazy. I see that uh, visit NAG is saying, or NAJ is saying this was all orchestrated. What do you think, Ryan? Is this orchestrated stuff? Is that what we're dealing with?
2: You know, I was going to get your take on people that, you know, go to the gym and they work out and they call it roid rage. Are we talking about the same type of hormones that these bodybuilders are taking and they go off the handle?
1: Yeah, these are androgens. So these are these are male hormones, right? So if somebody is taking male hormones, this was what we saw maybe, uh, and we're speculating a little bit here, what we saw in Tennessee with the uh, shooter that went into the the Covenant School. Imagine, imagine being a 14-year-old boy again, for those of you who are men. And you could imagine how angry and frustrated. There's a reason why a bunch of 18-year-olds and 17-year-olds sign up to be Marines. And the reason is, is they're pissed off. They don't necessarily know why. It is a sort of an impotent rage, I would say. And the only reason why... We are able to control that is number one, generally speaking, there's consequences because if you screw around around a bunch of other ones, you're going to get beat up by bigger guys. That's part one. And number two, there are actual men in the world who will put you back in your place very, very quickly if you side to mouth off. Because like I said, I was 125 pounds when I was that age. I was that way all the way through high school. By the time I got out of college, I think I was 155. Now I'm probably 175 pounds. There's a big difference between being a man and being sort of a, a young young man, a boy that's kind of coming into manhood and the weight and the strength and the bone density, all these things like happen, you know, after 25 or up to 25. So imagine that you have all that rage, but you're also a female and you haven't had a male influence to kind of teach you how to use it. And you're 27 and you can go out and buy any kind of weapons you want. You can buy any kind of, um, you know, you can buy any kind of tools to be violent. And you've never been checked on that. And you're getting it at late in life. And so these guys, you know, you're, you're dealing with people that are clearly, uh, they're struggling. I don't know. No one, that person, that guy does not look healthy. Neither of these people look healthy. Neither of our shooters, this Kim Brady or this guy, Bobby, uh, two years in a row on 4th of July, we've got very unhealthy looking human beings, uh, very troubled looking people that decided to take it out on innocent folks. And uh, to me, that's a big problem. It's a concern. I, w- I'm, I worry that this is a trend that we are seeing more of. So we're going to have to just be aware of it. We're going to have to keep... There you go. There's the look. It's just not a good look. It's not a, a good feeling to know that these people are out there. And, you know, I'm pro-armed. I think even people who have been convicted of felonies should be able to have their gun rights restored. I'm not crazy about that. That didn't exist, by the way, when the founders came out. Um, but instead, we are uh, we are taking guns from them. Uh, or sorry, we're taking guns from, like, white-collar criminals who probably have every reason to do it and to own weapons. And then you've got... <laughs> you've got these weirdos that are probably buying these suckers legally. Uh, if you believe Joe Biden, they're picking them up in trucks outside of Philadelphia, apparently. All right, I'm going to skip the next article. Let's go to the Hey Jackass. I just want people to get a sense of what's going on in this country when it comes to shooting statistics in one small place. And it's if you guys are not following this website, put it in your, in your sort of places you go and check out. If you kind of want to get just a quick thermometer check on... Chicago which is a leftist city you know it is held up as the sort of the pinnacle of gun control and we're in July this is the fifth day in July so far in in Chicago and this was updated last night so there may actually be some fresher statistics I'm looking right now yep there it is I just refreshed it so I just refreshed the screen I'm seeing 10 total homicides so far that means that we had three killed overnight in the last 24 hours um and 10 homicides 62 total shootings um Nine of those homicides were, were killed with a, with a firearm and 53 people have been wounded. So we are talking about some absolutely shocking, horrific numbers. These are like worse than a day, uh, you know, worse than a four day period in Afghanistan. We didn't, we didn't even have people dying at that rate, you know, um, for the last couple years of the war. And in the meantime, you've got 10 homicides. Uh, so far, they're calling it the Summer of Joy 2 that started on 526 to today. We have 94 total killings in Chicago. That is just a staggering amount of people in about 40 days. 94 total homicides, 464 people shot. And I always gauge it on this. The worst years that I've seen in Chicago, if you'll notice, there's a little shot timer down there. It says a person is shot every blank and murdered every blank. When um, a person is shot every two hours and fifty-eight minutes. That's not as bad as I've seen it. I've seen it under two hours on average. These are obviously like it doesn't mean that someone's shot every two hours. It just means on average they are. When we had those really, really high numbers, which I think were in 2016, 2021 was really bad. Uh there was a couple of other like really bad years uh in, in the last couple of years. But we're talking about every under two hours someone is shot and, and then twice a day somebody is murdered. It's under 12 hours. So this, this website is full of data, and I wish they would do this on some places like New York. I wish they would do it for Philly. I wish they would do it for Washington, D.C. as well. There may be something like that. So if you do know it, please put it in the, in the comments, actually. Put it in the comments of the Rumble channel, and we will keep track of it, or you can tweet it at me or DM me. But I, I love seeing this stuff because these are just raw numbers. They have no emotion. There's nothing left or right about it. And when you scroll down far enough, you see who the real victims of these crimes are that we're not hearing about. That 339 number of mass shootings... This is the reason why I think we are not hearing about it. You'll also notice that they they didn't report the uh, the race. They, they called the uh, the kid out in um, Highland Park a white supremacist and that he was a Trump supporter and all this. I don't hear any of that coming out of Philly because the guy was black and he had dreadlocks. I'm just saying. And when you look at this, uh, this heyjackass.com website, you'll see that the breakdown of victims, let's talk about victims specifically. The victim breakdown in Chicago right now so far this year, 82.3% are black. And 13.6% are Hispanic. So we're talking about 95% of the victims are black and Hispanic, the people that the Democrats claim that they love, the claim that they're out there uh, champions of. That's a problem. That is a real big problem. And it's a it's a destroying piece to the narrative there. It should be absolutely destructive. Like, yes, are 92% of the people killed with a with a firearm? Of course, because that's the most efficient way to do it. That still leaves you about eight percent of people being killed with either hands, feet, knives, vehicles, you name it. Poison, I guess, is a possibility. Um, it's just, it's, it's such a staggering amount of number. And then when you scroll all the way down the page, and if you do this, uh, they used to have a really good breakdown of the number of people, the race of the people that were actually caught involved in these homicides. And it's almost all black and Hispanic. Again, people kill those people around them. There's nothing sort of secretive or there's no there's no conspiracy here. It's it's crimes of opportunity. It's the motive is sort of just fits everyday rage violence. A lot of the stuff is is gang and drug related. So you're talking about people that are involved in a criminal activity to begin with. And violence is just part of their life. But when we talk about the people that are dying of those three hundred and thirty nine mass shootings, and I'll have to dig into it further. Maybe we'll have that for you on Friday. 339 mass shootings, only a few of them are these really like wild card events where it's a school and they can really get on that narrative, oh, it's assault weapons are the problem, right? Mostly what we're talking about, most of these issues are black on black crime, hispanic on black crime and so on. And they happen in urban areas in the United States. There are multiple people shot because someone is shooting indiscriminately and it has nothing to do with the weapon system. In fact, in Chicago itself, we know things like AR15s are outlawed and it didn't stop that kid in Highland Park from going out there and getting that uh, doing that shooting. That should be a real problem for everybody's narrative. It's like, "Well, where do they come from?" And they love to act like, "Oh, it's well, it's it's Indiana or it's their surrounding states." This is not the problem. There's 300 plus million guns in this country. In fact, for those of you who can see, I I mean, I have, I've got one sitting right next to me right here. I keep, I keep an AR next to me at the desk. It's not going to hurt anybody. It just sits there. And that's the whole point. If we're going to act like it's some tool, the tool only works when there's a human being behind it. And those of you in the chat are probably going to go nuts in a second. When you see that I'm holding up uh, a suppressed SIG, it's a, it's a great uh, weapon system. So Anyway, uh, it is what it is, but it's really it's really sad to see that sort of thing happening. Now I want to kind of pivot. We're talking about how they frame these things. Let's, let's pivot over to something that just happened in New York City. If we'll go to article number... What is that? Yeah, the next one. You got it, Ryan. You already know what I'm doing. So here we are looking at an article from Breitbart. It just says the charges were dropped against a 20-year-old for fatally stabbing an unhinged New York subway rider. We got to focus on the language. We have to listen to what we're saying here. 20-year-old... Um, was charged initially, but they dropped the charges. What was the story here? Many of you guys may not know this. It wasn't a, it didn't come out in a big way. A guy named Jordan Williams, this is not the one with the uh, the choking. This is another. Last month, Jordan Williams, 20 years old, and his girlfriend were riding on the subway when a shirtless De Victor, God knows what this last name is, Odriago or something, 36 years old, begins has, harassing pro, uh, passengers on the Brooklyn J-Line. This is reported by the New York Post. Again, we're reading a, a Breitbart article. The grand jury dismissed Williams' charges of criminal possession of a weapon with intent to use and the felony manslaughter charge, after watching a one minute and twenty-seven clip, a one minute and twenty-seven second clip showing the events leading up to the fatal stabbing. I want you to contrast that with what happened with Daniel Penny, which we'll do in just a second. Let's look at the language here, because this is what I want to talk about. First of all, uh, you've got a twenty-year-old guy. He's with his girlfriend. There's a shirtless bad guy. The strap hanger who he killed is referred to as unhinged and allegedly punched the girlfriend in the face. Okay, so there was violence, but not to Jordan Williams. And he stepped in and then he stabbed somebody and he was carrying a weapon, apparently illegally because it's illegal to possess that weapon. But they dropped that charge after watching a video. That's exculpatory evidence, I would say. And they dropped the felony manslaughter charge, which is exactly what Daniel Penny is being charged with right now. Daniel Penny didn't need a weapon. He did it with his hands because he's a freaking Marine. So there's that. So we've got this guy. Apparently, he mumbles something. Then he picks up a buttoned-up shirt off the seat. 20 seconds of footage. It cuts to uh, this guy struggling with Williams. This is the, the guy who was uh, charged and had the charges dropped. Uh, his friend, they're all fighting. There's all these swear words. They uh, pin him against the window. They're just describing this here in the article. And at uh, end of the day, they, they claim that this, uh, this unhinged strap hanger said he was going to erase someone. And then the stabbing happens. Okay. And apparently he asked the, uh, the 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 girlfriend of the uh, of the 20-year-old man who did the stabbing, asked her some sort of uh, very explicit question, uh, which you can just guess on. You can go read this stuff. I'm not going to read it here. Anyway, the, uh, the guy ends up dying, the 36-year-old man who is, quote-unquote, unhinged. Now I want you to contrast that with what happened with Daniel Penny. This is the New York subway writer. So let's go to the next article here, which I believe is by CBS. And what we'll see is we've got Daniel Penny pled not guilty to criminal negligent homicide manslaughter in a chokehold of Jordan Neely. So another Jordan, but this time Jordan is the guy that died. This is the homeless guy. You, you'll remember that he's over and over painted as a street performer. And so we got to read, this is CBS, so we're going to get a certain type of uh, take here. And so let's read some of the words that they're using for that. Um, they They have, first of all, they quote Alvin Bragg right up front. And Alvin Bragg said, quote, Daniel Penny stands indicted for manslaughter after allegedly putting Jordan Neely in a deadly chokehold for several minutes until and after he stopped moving. I hope Mr. Neely's loved ones are on the path towards healing as they continue to mourn this tragic loss. And then he said uh the attorney apparently the Neely family this is uh the the attorneys for a man who was homeless and was dancing on the uh you know dancing on the subway station on the platforms. That guy apparently now has not just family but two at least Two family attorneys that are representing him. Where the hell were these people when this guy was out there losing his mind, being quote-unquote unhinged, I would say, on a subway? They come out, and they, uh, you got this attorney, Dante Mills. And he says, quote, from now on, when justice happens, don't be surprised and don't be shocked. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. I don't even know why. they. Whoever wrote this was not very good. But then you've got another attorney. This is one named Lennon Edwards who says, we're, we're all witnesses here we're witnessing even 3 million dollars a legal defense fund interviews that took place before this happened you can't make justice go away so what they're trying to say is that even though daniel penny did something that most people would say is objectively reasonable they were he choked out a man he didn't carry a weapon he wasn't running around like holding on to a knife illegally and then stabbing some dude He literally stepped into the gap where there was a problem. And if if you've ever ridden New York subways, this is a real problem. There are some wild people out there. Mostly what people usually do is they run away from it. And we've all seen videos of it. I've seen it in person. Uh, My wife is is from New York. So when I've gone up there to visit in-laws, you stand there and they'll just be crazy people. I'll give you a great example. So I'm sitting on a a subway platform. This is a couple of years back. I'm sitting there with my wife on my left. And on the right-hand side, there's the stairs going upwards. There's probably 20 yards worth of open platform. And people are just milling about standing there. They're waiting to, you know, see the train pop up. And as we're waiting, some guy comes down the stairs and he's clearly out of his mind. He's talking to himself, he's mumbling, he looks disheveled, he looks, you know, gross and dirty and all the other kind of things. And he's got this water bottle, like a plastic water bottle like one of those 1-pint sized. And he's talking to nobody, he's arguing with nobody. People kind of see it, some people kind of move and they go from my right side, they move off to my left. And they go past the other side. They just get away from the guy. That's pretty standard New York movement. You know, ignore and, and get out of the way. Then this guy starts getting really agitated with whatever he's talking about in his head. And, and don't get me wrong. I feel for people with mental illness. It looks awful. But they're also a danger. And so this guy, and I'm at this time, I'm pretty confident. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was, a, I was an FBI agent at the time. So I'm armed. And I'm watching this dude going like, I wonder what happens next. And uh, so he's got this water bottle. And he starts flinging it as hard as he can against the wall. And he's not hitting the cap, so it's not opening. So he's just smashing into the wall. And it sounds, you know, like a boom because we're in the middle of this big tunnel. He picks up the water bottle, he steps back, he's arguing again. He starts fighting, he turns around, throws it again, really, really hard, but he's closer to me. And he keeps edging closer and closer and closer to where I'm at. And of course, all the passengers start moving onward. And I'm basically the only person in between him and everyone else. And so he he looks at me, and and here's the thing about crazy people, and I've and I've I've had some conversations with a lot of homeless people as a paramedic. I've also had a guy that I used to perform in a, a college band with, which is borderline embarrassing. <laughs> but we had this kind of fun little band that we all got together to play. And, and my bass player used to be homeless on the street in New Orleans, and he'd been in and out of mental institutions. And so we had this really fun, interesting conversation. I learned a lot about it as a young as a young man kind of what what things looked like from at least one guy's perspective. And he said, crazy people could always recognize other crazy. We know when people are faking it when they come in, if they're you know trying to get out of a, a criminal charge. But the other thing is this. We also know what danger looks like still. Just because you're completely out of your mind, a lot of people still have some awareness of what it looks like um, when something is dangerous. And in the case of uh, this particular guy, he eyeballed locked with me on this New York subway platform. And I... Gave him the look I gave everybody. It's like, we're about to decide whether or not we're going to dance. And I don't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to have to shoot him, kick him onto the rails, whatever it was. But I wasn't going to let him go and harass my wife, who was sitting next to me, and certainly not the other passengers as well down the line. So the decision is really simple. It's like, what do you want to do next, guy? You get a vote. And his vote was he wanted to just mumble and walk away. And that's the right answer. So, so many people run away from this. uh, In the case of our our sort of accused now and standing, about to stand trial for for manslaughter, Daniel Penny, he stood in the way. And one of the things he had to do was come up behind this guy and choke him out. And then you see, there's plenty of videos of it. So if you haven't seen it, go find it on your own here. But this guy um, put him in the recovery position, which is the exact right move. That's what you do when somebody... Is, uh, is unconscious you put them in a place where they're able to recover you you set them up in uh you know so that they have the, basically their left arm underneath their head their their airway is open and uh multiple people tried to save this guy's life after choking him out the fact that he was probably malnourished had a history of mental illness and unknown other problems and he was homeless that should definitely be something in there on you know just exactly the same way we see charges dropped on the other side and did they play that exculpatory evidence no I don't think so So we've got one sided justice happening. Uh, In the meantime, everybody kind of has this sort of instinct that's on the political right that looks at it and goes, this is this is not a fair thing. You don't want people like Daniel Penny to be accused. (laughs) You don't want people like Daniel Penny to be charged because the result is going to be no one steps up and and stops someone who is threatening people. And, And New York City has some serious problems with mental illness right now. This is a quote from uh, from Penny's attorney. He says, "All the evidence that we've seen, our client acted reasonably under the circumstances, and he was justified in the actions he took on May first, 2023." Daniel Penny defended his fellow travelers, and now it's our turn to defend defend Danny. Uh, that's all good stuff. The fact that people stepped up and raised three million dollars is fantastic. Um, let's kind of look. Let's kind of look at this. You pulled up the next article, so that helps me out there. This article that I've got in front of you, that if you're looking at here, look at the language on this one. Jordan Neely's accused killer. They're not even going to name the guy, Daniel Penny. Jordan Neely's accused killer pleads not guilty to charges of homicide and manslaughter. Now, the source of this is a website called blackenterprise.com. I just went looking to see if I could find some different takes. It's, it's under their tab, Black Lives Matter. Um, apparently, this black life didn't matter to anyone. Jordan Neely, this homeless guy, up until he was dead. So yet again, people using another death... As a a political victory. It would have been nice if somebody cared about him and made sure that his his life mattered before he had to be choked out. And I do say had to be because somebody had to stop somebody when they start acting violent. And it took turns out that uh, we had a Marine that stepped up and and did what he basically said he would do, which is defend people. I'm not mad at him for using his skill set for that. And honestly, a chokehold, especially if it's done correctly, is a very effective way to put somebody on the ground. The problem is, is that you don't drive around on the subway in New York. I'm sure many of you don't do this either with uh, some sort of restraints. You don't have shoestring handcuffs. You're not running around um, holding on to a set of flex cuffs or something. And you certainly are not carrying handcuffs, traditional handcuffs with you. So how are you going to restrain this guy? You're not going to tie him up with something. You don't have duct tape, which can be broken pretty easily. So they just had to hold on to him. There's no other way to do it until you get to a place where the... uh where the law enforcement can actually step in and do the job they probably should have done a long time ago because this dude was clearly threatening. In any case, let's just talk about uh, the way that they talk him. They, they, they refer to him as a killer in the headline. I think that's really important. Um, <laughs> it says the, the police documentation reveals that they didn't consider Neely to be a serious threat. He was generally nonviolent with his, with his uh, verbal outbursts. And yet Penny proceeded to take the 30-year-old down to a fatal chokehold and continue for several minutes. Any of you who have ever had to fight somebody to the ground, you know, it doesn't end quickly and it doesn't stop when someone stops moving necessarily. So they are they refer to him as the 24-year-old killer. They say he was indicted. They go on. And uh, once again, we've got Alvin Bragg saying he doesn't see the righteousness of Penny's actions against Neely, who was homeless at the time. You know, we used to just call these people bums. In fact, people in New York used to call them bums. Many of you guys may know that. Um, It just says that uh, Penny's confident of his innocence, that he acted under the law, which I think we all think is the case. If you can stab somebody, if you can stab somebody with a knife that you're not supposed to be carrying, and that's going to have the charges dropped on you, but you can't roll somebody up into a chokehold, which is an authorized restraint from most law enforcement. Uh, The FBI just put out new guidance, but when I went through the Quantico Academy, a chokehold, which is, it's not really a chokehold, it's a blood choke. There's two different ways you can do it. We should break them down for use of force. When you when you engage in a carotid restraint, which is going to basically cut off the two carotid arteries to your brain, that makes people go out very quickly. I've actually done this with guys when we were rolling. Um, everybody at the FBI Academy has to experience it. They actually choke you out, or you have to get to the point where you're about to go out and tap, uh, unless you're some of my buddies who decided they just wanted to have a little nap for a second. But the the air choke, which I think is what ended up happening to, uh, to Neely, and of course we'll have to find out later, but you know, the air choke is essentially when you actually hit this piece here. This is the trachea. That's where you're going to be able to breathe. That's going to be cutting off your actual air supply. What we want to do is cut off the blood supply because the blood supply to the brain can be interrupted briefly, and it basically gives somebody a hard reset. They go out cold, and then you can kind of keep them immobilized. But the question is, what are they going to do with this guy? They're on a subway train in an enclosed compartment. And uh, like I said, his actions were basically using his his tools available, just his two hands, and some basic combatives training that he had. And... uh and the other guy is carrying a knife, and the and the guy with the knife is not referred to as a killer by any of these media organizations, even though he killed somebody. He's referred to as a as a, someone who defended his girlfriend and, and engaged in self defense. I think that should bother us. So we talk about self defense. Let's bring up this red state article here, if you would. This is a um, this is an article by Jeff Charles. If you're not following Jeff Charles, he's pretty good on Twitter as well. He puts out some pretty decent information. the uh, The article is entitled "Woman." Shoots Attacker in Self-Defense, a Powerful Reminder Why Women Need Guns. This was released yesterday on July 4th. I think it is an important reminder. It's one of our fundamental freedoms that you can carry a firearm because it's a great equalizer. Most women in the world, uh, outside of of the very, very few that are in the MMA sort of space, and even them are probably vulnerable to a real decent-sized man, most women in the world cannot go toe-to-toe with a dude period. That's the biological reality of it. You can't go toe-to-toe with a man dressed as a woman, and you definitely can't go toe-to-toe with a, with a man dressed as a man. So women, your options are pretty straightforward. You can carry uh, a stun gun. You can carry some kind of a taser weapon or electrical weapon. You can carry a baton if you have some skill set with that, and that may be an option for you. You could carry a knife, although that's probably probably really dangerous, or you can carry a gun, which is something that generates some what we call standoff distance between you and somebody else. And uh, this this article just gets in and states that there are a number of situations. In this case, Mount Carmel, Pennsylvania. This is a story of a woman who was forced to use a handgun and uh, she was assaulted and uh, she used the firearm to, to keep herself safe. She used a defensive handgun, which they report millions of these things are happening annually. And it's just, look, if we had the ability to shoot in, in places, they, they said that the woman shot three times, um, she hit the, the, the person that was assaulting her who she didn't know who it was. Just imagine this. It was four 30 in the morning when the, when the police responded. So this is in the middle of the night, the dead of night, she grabs a handgun responds. It ends up being a woman that's trying to assault her. And, uh, the woman had a blunt object. So, you know, you defend yourself with what you have with the means necessary. There is a standard for using deadly force. Basically, uh, they always use the sort of fear, of your safety of your life, that kind of thing. But end of the day, what you want to talk about is, do you have a reasonable belief that the person who you are about to shoot was going to cause serious physical injury to yourself or someone else that you're responsible for? And that's the FBI standard. That's the DOJ standard, which is inside the constitutional bounds. It is pretty much the standard for all people when when you talk about, can you uh, use deadly force? Can you produce a weapon and brandish To show that you're about to use deadly force you have to have a reasonable standard a reasonable person would have to be able to go yes um that was reasonable and any reasonable person would have the the fear or the reasonable belief that you were about to face serious physical injury or death either yourself or someone else generally speaking it's someone you're responsible for but it could be a bystander in, in some states certainly in texas so we've got all these different examples of this. There's another one if you pull up the next article here, which I think is worth knowing. This is something that was just mentioned on True Social. Somebody asked me, "Hey, are you gonna? Uh, how come no one's talking about this?" Well, let's talk about it. We're talking about a an armed employee of an apartment building uh, used a firearm and shot an intruder who was carrying a rifle. This is handgun versus rifle. You use the tools that you have. You do the thing that you have to do in order to keep people safe. This was an employee that was working in Las Vegas. At an apartment building, and uh, some dude decided to come marching in with an AR-15 and a GoPro, or a, uh, sorry, a helmet on. I, I always put the GoPro idea in, in my head. But they come in with this helmet, and you go like, "Why would someone come in with a helmet and an AR rifle uh, into an apartment building if they don't live there and open carry it in?" So this person ended up with the rifle ended up engaging the employee, taking shots, and then there's there's uh, shots going backwards. Have you heard this in in the story? Have you heard that? that somebody tried to come into this this building and and tried to shoot it up. If you scroll down, the place place is called Turnberry Place. It looks like a very nice apartment building. I'm sure it's not cheap. And it looks like it was uh, built somewhere in the the early 2000s. It's like this multi, you know, massive glass facing, very pricey, you know, residence hall. (laughs) Turnberry Towers, 10 minutes from the strip by walk. And then we've got this guy named Andrew warrender who comes in with a rifle at 3 15 in the afternoon that's not normal even in vegas and uh uses his weapon and shot at this employee and the, and the employee happened to be armed and shot back and um and then the employee held that person at gunpoint they were able to arrest uh saying he felt like everybody's life was in danger and then we get down here the there's almost no news coverage of it and essentially the police said Uh, Yeah, we believe that this person, they said, Oh, we don't know about a hero, but uh, that person was probably justified in what they did. So no arrests of the employee doing the shot. And uh, the only reason that we're hearing anything about this story, the only reason why this story is actually getting any traction is because Amy Swearer, who works for the the Heritage Foundation, and has actually done some pretty good work on this, put this out, started covering it kind of heavily, then it made some tread, went over to Fox News. And we get into this spot where at least a few people, now you all, are aware that this dude was firing into a glass door, firing in general into a public space, carrying a rifle, and, and somebody who was carrying a weapon did the right thing. Um, it reminded me, and I sent, I sent uh, Ryan some videos of this, there was a thing called the Eli Dickens drill. Some of you may remember this thing. This happened in a mall last year. And essentially, some dude did the same exact thing, came out of a bathroom with a rifle in public, didn't make any sense, you know, probably had like all black on from what I recall, and then started shooting people indiscriminately in a food court and was just blasting away with his AR-15, which is not an inherently dangerous gun. Like I said, there's one sitting right next to me. hasn't hurt anybody ever. And yet... It does have this demonization on the left because it has this political and, and this emotional trigger to it. So you've got this guy blasting away and Eli Dickens steps up and does this like hero shot from 40 yards away with a red dot pistol and was able to put eight hits on this guy in 15 seconds and put him down. Now, some people died tragically in that, but you can imagine how much worse it would be. We just did the Super Bowl of masculinity with Steve Friend the other day. We showed how a cop showed up and did the right thing, ran towards gunfire. And some of us are being called to do that. So we'll probably cover this at length at some uh, near time. You know, you've got to be able to bring, you got to be able to bring some information. You got to be able to bring some training. And if you want to be, look at this video. The guy, this is the dude that was uh, shooting. Yep, there you go, and there's the shooting back. But he went in there wearing a helmet. That's not normal. Anyhow, you you have to be prepared that there are some unhinged people out there. There's a lot of medications. There's a lot of hormones. There's a lot of uh, tolerance for some strange things that would have never gone under the radar, but now they are. They're flying under the radar and people are not paying attention to them. So we have to pay attention. You have to be ready to protect your family, protect your kids, protect your wives. If you're a man, carry a gun. If you're a woman, definitely carry a gun. Find one that fits you. We'll talk about fitting a handgun to you at some point in the near future because I think it's important. I think it's a, a relevant topic and you gotta get training. You have to know that if you're at 50 yards away, and in fact, we're probably gonna do a cool video. Ryan, you still have to do uh, do some handgun training? Is that something that's on our list? he's he's muted over yeah there. man and now you remuted yourself <laughs>
2: oh wow there we go there, there we go. go i'm back yeah handgun training man that's how, those videos you showed me were awesome man i wish we had time to show those on here that was really sick so Can you explain that
1: yeah, so I, sh- I sent Ryan some videos, folks. This is totally doable with not a huge amount of training, just a basic competency. But I showed him some videos of me out in the desert uh, drawing a weapon. This is actually, incidentally, the same place where I had a-, a police officer interact with me and I got suspended for. But I'm drawing a weapon from a holster, and uh, I'm taking a shot on a basically a human torso-sized target. It's 12 inches wide by 20 inches tall. It's called an uh, I- IPSC Ipsic target. And, uh, anyway, so it's steel. So you can tell, but at 50 yards, I'm, I'm drawing and under two seconds, like around a second and a half, putting it one single hit on a steel target. That first hit is really important at 50 yards. And we're going to get Ryan up to that speed where he's at least being able to do that in two, two to four seconds coming out of a holster from under his shirt. And we'll do some videos of it. I want you guys to see, we'll do it in two days worth of training. Now you got to maintain that proficiency. Yep.
2: I got the video queued up. Can I roll it?
1: Yeah, roll it. Why not? All right, there's our target set at 40 yards. It is a 12 inch by 24 inch tall steel AR500 target. We should be able to hear it ding. And we're gonna be shooting here at this 40 yard line. 10 rounds in 15 seconds or less, looking for eight hits or better. This is the Eli Dickens drill. And we're gonna start with a safe empty gun. This is my concealed carry, a Glock 19 with an RMR. We're gonna make sure that there's no magazine. Lock the slide to the rear. Again, there's nothing in here. We're gonna check the uh, chamber, I'm gonna look away just to clear my eyes. Looking again for brass, nothing in the chamber, and now I'm gonna load and make ready with a 10 round magazine. Get that free look and holster up. On the timer, you're gonna hear the beep. We're gonna to try to do this in under 15 seconds. Okay, drop the mag, got an empty gun. Again, check the chamber, look away, check the chamber. I'm gonna drop this slide and holster it up. Was 14.29, that's under that 15 time, and I did have two misses that I could count there. I'm sure you could hear them as well. So that is a successful Eli drill, although not the most impressive work. Um, This is absolutely a challenge, and if you start feeling yourself get ahead of the pace, you really have to slow it down in order to make those hits. You, uh, Jeff Cooper, always said that you can't miss your way out of a gunfight, and uh, that is. Yeah, you can't uh, like miss your one. way out of a gunshot. You can't. So, folks, I recommend training, and and you know those of you who know my background know that I've been carrying a gun since I was about 21 years old. Um, I started carrying it every day uh, about 14 years ago, or something to that effect. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not 14. Maybe 12 years ago. Anyhow. Carrying a gun for over a decade, uh, trained professionally, trained in the military, spent a lot of time on my own kind of doing that sort of thing. And, you know, it's a challenge to shoot somebody at that distance, especially if you are not ready for it with the adrenaline dump and all the other things. So you got to get yourself going. Um, (laughs) I got people in the chat now that are talking about what the power factor of the weapon was. That was 147 grain. A subsonic 9 millimeter, nothing wild, this is FBI training ammo that I had at the time because I was still working for the Bureau when I took that, that video. But end of the day, we got to be out there training so that you are prepared to defend yourself, to, pe- to defend your loved ones, and it doesn't come naturally, but you can build that basic skill set up, so at least you give yourself a fighting chance. If there are, in fact, 339 mass shootings, which I think are mostly gangland, but you never know where you might be, you don't know where you're going to go. You should probably plan on not going to places that are going to have that sort of problem. But if you can't plan, which is oftentimes you cannot plan where you're going to end up, you might be at a mall and somebody decides today's the day. You might be at your apartment building and some guy decides he's going to shoot through the glass and come inside and try to kill people randomly or go after an ex-girlfriend. or God knows what that dude's problem was, but uh, he was handled and sorted out because somebody had a firearm, was competent, was prepared, and uh, you know sent some rounds down rage to sh- shut him down. But one thing that we do know about mass shooters is when they start getting riled, when they start coming after people, it is hard resistance that stops them almost every time. The first time that they run against resistance, they do one of two things, either surrender or they kill themselves. And either one of those is an acceptable outcome for me if you've decided to go take human lives arbitrarily. So be prepared to be the person that stops those people in their tracks and uh, you know be safe out there because there's a lot of weirdos. We are dealing in a time when there's an awful lot of weirdos. We'll do some shooting We'll do some shooting with Ryan. Like I said, we'll we'll videotape two days worth of training. We'll take him from zero to hero if we can. I told him that I'll have him making 100-yard handgun shots in two days without – without a lot of problems, at least 50% accuracy. And I think uh, I think we'll see that. I haven't I haven't sat in person with Ryan to see if he can do it, but I believe in general athleticism he's going to be successful in that. So that'll be a fun thing to document. We'll go do it out there. We'll do a suspendable shoot. And maybe we'll bring some of the other guys in, and we'll share that with you all. Uh, folks, you've been listening to the Kyle Serafin Show today on this Wednesday, July the 5th. Thanks for the ramble. Thanks for the time. Thanks for uh, being prepared and looking out there. Let's pull up one of those five-star reviews, if you don't mind, my friend. And I will read that. Uh, If you guys go to Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a five-star review. We've got over 588 of them right now. So you guys came in big with another 12. So thanks so much for doing that. This one was written by, oh, man, well let me look. I got to lean in for this one. It's small letters. SS74 Daisy. Uh, Daisy says, Always a takeaway. I find that every podcast has a takeaway for me to ponder on, whether it's an interview with Garrett O'Boyle or Adam Coleman or no interview at all. There's always something inspiring and thought-provoking. I'm not quite done listening to the Adam Coleman interview, but what I can say so far is that I have learned, I have much to think about, and I feel I have a better sense of understanding of myself. Thank you for always putting out content that is somewhat mind-bending. LOL, <laughs> great work. Uh, thanks, Daisy, we appreciate it. If we could bend your mind, we're gonna do that. And more importantly, uh, we appreciate all of you coming in here. This is why we do it. I'm thankful to Ryan Matta for doing the production today. I'm thankful to my brother Casey, who did the original score, the original uh, opening theme, and thankful to all of you who are out there writing these five-star reviews, listening to the content, sharing it around, please do share it in all the places that you're on social media, Twitter, on True Social. If you're on any of the other uh, platforms, you can always find us on Rumble at 8.30 Central Time, that's Texas America, or 9.30 Eastern Time on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And we will see you again on Friday. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash kileserafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.